Welcome to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. In 1979, Dale Brunsvold started reading and recording Rudolf Steiner's works into cassette tapes that he would listen to on the way to and from work and school. In 2005, he started Rudolf Steiner Audio, an online resource with free recordings of Steiner's books and lectures. In this interview, we talk about how Dale bumped into anthroposophy and what it's like to read Steiner's work to the public. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I was so excited. I sent a text to all my friends and I was like, oh my gosh, guess what I get to do uh, on Valentine's Day. I mean, you're, you're a celebrity. Oh yes, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> it is. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, you, you are a celebrity to, to many of us um, that work and have children and we're trying to study and we can't get to it. And, you know, we get on and we listen to you while we're folding the laundry or while we're on our long commutes to work and, um, it's, it's just an amazing resource that you've, that you've developed. So I, I wondered if I could just ask you a few questions about it. And okay, so tell me about yourself a little. You said you were a teacher for 30 years and not always in a Waldorf school. So other no, for three years, I was the math teacher in, in the Denver Waldorf school, but I started teaching in uh, 1983 in Jackson, Minnesota there for four years and then uh, came down here. I worked at a little printing shop for a few years. Uh, I was going through a divorce then. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then I got in back into the system here. So I taught from 1991, I guess, until 2015 or something and retired. So gotcha. And yeah, you that's math. the work history anyway. So. <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not seeing the super clear intersection of that and, and Steiner. So like, when did you, oh. when did you bump into Steiner? Yes, that is the more important point for sure. So yeah, no, I was in college I, got a, I went to college to get a philosophy degree. And uh, while I was there, I, I had an extra math from high school. Uh, that, so I pursued math just sort of automatically. And so that ended up being something I could teach. And I was in a, a philosophy class on Wittgenstein, no less, who I never understood in the end. There was a guy there named Hank Passaferro was his name then. It's Elia Rael now, if you know him at all. He was my sponsor into the society. And he was asking these really cool questions in class. And I was like, I have no idea where you're getting these questions. So I asked him and he slid the, the, uh, the Michael Wilson philosophy of freedom across the conference table at me. I remember that moment as clear as day, as clear as it was yesterday. And I read that and I could not believe why that book wasn't studied in college, why it didn't literally, to me, it was a capstone of 19th century philosophy. It finished off Hegel and all those guys and just showed what all that stuff had been going toward and culminated to me and Steiner beautifully. I was like, okay, I, I guess I don't need a philosophy degree. No, I got one anyway, but because I had all that work done. But that was the pursuit. And then to find that uh, it went so much farther. Mm-hmm. And once you had that, you actually did break through the bounds of knowledge, shall we say. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. so even there, it must have been from the past, my past, past life or something coming back. That everything. So I, I got a gift there that is I've never, I've never uh, left, you might say. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. So, yeah, wonderful that's thing. It's beautiful. Especially, you know, you're in your 20s like that and it's. Yeah. It's just so profound to bump into this kind of knowledge, and oh, that's 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 a great story. <laughs> I started recording it almost right away, actually, because of being in the car and stuff. So I had little cassettes, 
and I recorded all the basic books right away. So 1981, I have recordings from 1981 of recording Steiner. So I had, uh, oh, you know, some of the education I loved, but I just couldn't go that way. We, we were, I was pretty poor, so I got by just barely. A lot like Steiner, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so th- there was, uh, I had those tapes and, and, and that's where that all started. So people asked uh, for John Fuller, if you know John Fuller from Minneapolis, Minnesota, he's a first class reader there, was a, one of the buddies in this group. We had 28 people in a study group in Fargo, North Dakota in 1979, if you can imagine that. So you said that, so you, you read the books into um, like a cassette recorder and then played them while you were like driving and yeah. things like that? Yeah, like stuff like that, yeah. Wow. So you read them for yourself. So, kind, so of, that, kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. And for, yeah, that's who I did it for. Yeah. Yeah. So that, then all the stuff on the internet happened, you might say it was all kind of ready to go in a way, you know what I mean? The thoughts were there. So then I asked permission of Steiner books back in 2005. And, uh, and I, I, and I did that like in November I thought, well, you know what, they're never going to even know who I am and I'm never going to hear anything. Right. And sure enough, in February, it took about four months, I, I got a letter from Mary Giddens, wow. and, uh, who said, yeah, Gene said it's fine. So I said, great. So, so then I went ahead. I re-recorded all that stuff, but yeah, That's- that was so great. It took, it took only till last year for Savak Gulbeckian at Rudolf Steiner Press to give me permission. Oh, my gosh. He, he, he kept saying no. Every three years, I would write him a letter. He'd go, no, not yet. And they were trying it themselves. And I don't know. I, you know, I always worry that I'm actually causing damage financially. I try not to. I don't want it to. But that people are buying books, you might say. You know what I mean? All that kind of thing. Because there's only about half of Steiner translated, as you probably know. And thank you for all your work, by the way. Aww. We haven't gotten around to that. But I hope you introduce yourself properly when you do this. <laughs> what you're doing (laughs) well no I mean you know it's so funny because I was I was listening the other day well there's a couple things you know there's the the Rudolf Steiner archive on online too right and there's all this you know and I feel like people are getting information any way they can if they can't you know they they hear you and then they're like I gotta have this book they buy the book or they have the book and they can't get through the book and so they also listen or they don't have any money to buy the book. And so they go on the archive and, you know, the information's out there. It's, it's incredible. But, um, you know. I have people from like Romania and stuff. And that's what they tell me. That we can't afford these books in a million years. So thank, and they know English, right? Because their educational system at least pays for that, right? Right. So, yeah, that's wow. very touching, very touching emails. Like what else? Like so, so you have these people from Romania contacting you. That's incredible. Yeah, well, you get people that uh, uh, can't read. They're dyslexic. They're blind. Their father is—I might even start crying—but their father's passing away, and they play this for him. And I'm like, you're playing, you know, Steiner. Yes, but well, I wish I would have done a better job. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean, really uh, shocking, really sometimes, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually the greatest blessing of all to actually influence, to have that kind of impact of any kind, really. And I, I don't have any kids, so we couldn't have kids. So that might have been another big uh, push forward for me, you know, to do this. And an absolute blessing. And I, I'm reading the Eurythmy Therapy set right now because somebody asked me to. So in order to do that, I had to do the Eurythmy as Visible Speech that lecture cycle, which isn't available. So that one is only on archive probably because it's not in print. You'd have to get it through Amazon or something like that as a used book. 
But I think Sevak has published a couple things over the year or over the period because people ask for them. So I'm, but I don't have any information. I'm always afraid to ask those or whatever. So right. they, they agreed. So that's we'll wonderful. See. I give that's... them a percentage of the money that I get if I get any donations. That's, oh. how, that's how we work that out. So, but that's... it's not enough. It's not enough for them. Again, only half of it's translated into English, Laura. So we still have a long way to go. If you can imagine that. I'm <laughs> I, I yeah. mean, how is that even possible? Yeah. Like, I feel like what's out there now, I could read for a million years. I know. I, yeah. <laughs> you ever read to, uh, Barfield's comment? You know, he met Steiner and knew Steiner and, at Oxford and stuff. And he was part of the Inklings, right? Yes. And he said, you know, when you try to, to uh, contemplate the stature of Steiner, after a period of time, it becomes a burden too excessive to be born. Wow. Yeah? Because you got this little guy, <laughs> you know, who, who they actually worried that little children would push over when they were playing <laughs> with him. Because literally, parents said that when he, you know, the, the, the speck said that when they were playing with little Steiner when he was 24, he was so frail and light and everything. They were worried their six-year-old child was going to knock him over, Okay. <laughs> Imagine little people like that. In a way, the, the spirit can enter them. You know what I mean? That the incarnation can be really, really rich. You know, I think of uh, small people. I mean, all the, you know, not that they have to be, but, you know, Bob Dylan comes to mind, frankly, but a little right. tiny guy, right? Yeah. Wow. I might be rambling, sorry. but uh, No, no, that's so beautiful about this. Yes, he is. He is somebody you contemplate. And it's like, no way. No way. This is like. This is a Moses-y guy. This is a this is an Abraham-y guy. This is these big people that came to the earth that that everybody talks about four thousand years later. You know what I mean? That's what Steiner's going to be to me. That's exactly what Steiner's going to be. I'm not saying he is those guys or anything. I'm saying he's going to be one of those people we're going to talk about in four thousand years. And this is what this is the direction the entire civilization of the world went. Or I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other, as the science in me says, right? Oh, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. So so he's meant something to you for a long time. Yeah. And, and, I'm 61 now, yeah. 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 So so when you're reading, what are the experiences you have? I mean, I, I you know, we all listen and sometimes you'll be like, let me say that again. And and you'll reread it. But it's so clear that you've and maybe I'm wrong. It's so clear that you've read it and you've digested it, and then you're reading it to us. Is is no, that like not. no? It's no, not. No, I'm reading it first time. I'm reading it. Stop it. Yeah, no, a lot of it. I mean, some of them I have. I'll tell you one that when I read the Symphony of the Creative Word and all the lectures on butterflies in there. You ever read those? No. Yeah, it's it's quite a set. Anyway, there's places in there where he's he's not even trying. He's so he says something so beautiful that you literally are brought to tears. You're just, you just can't even believe that he just casually casts off the observation of a butterfly and you're like, no way, you know? What <laughs> I mean? And I would like to have to rush to the pause button and get done crying before I could go back and start the thing up again and sound normal again. Just to give you an idea of how much he affects me. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. No, I know, no. I can imagine you doing no. that. That's yeah. how intense. I yeah. mean, we, and we can feel that when we listen to you, we, we just, you know, well, I worry you know, it gets a little overbearing sometimes. Cause I've noticed when I listen to him and going like, you know, you really should have held yourself back there, you know, kind of contained yourself more. So there's some lecture cycles I'm going to do over that I'll leave the old ones up there, but I'm going to try to, I'm learning a, I'm learning, you know, a certain kind of objective 
way to do it that is still hopefully filled with feeling because that they're not mutually exclusive as we know right but there were times where i was just so carried away by what i was reading and thinking well you must have been carried away. And, you know and he was pretty pretty amazing speaker from what i understand right but yeah uh, I'm, I won't self-criticize anymore. I apologize. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the thing is when, when we listen and my friends listen, and I have a friend that's pretty new to anthroposophy. And so what she does on her commute is she listens to you and she <laughs> listens on the way back. And she's like, I, I know he understands that. And he brings so much to it. And oh. it's so different for her when she's reading and she can feel, she feels like it, it's, it's him, you know, like you're his voice to her and to so many of us. And that, and that's so powerful. And, and you are so even and level throughout. And, and when there is emotion, it just comes through in this perfect, beautiful way. So, I mean, you, you really, what you're feeling, please don't, please, please just keep bringing it that way. You know, <laughs> you know, it's so human the way that you bring it. it it's in, in the way that you read. It's so beautiful. So, so that one example of the, the butterflies so is, is a time when you read and it just like took you off guard, you know, and it just overwhelmed you, right? Yeah, yeah. Are, are there other things you've read or? All the Christ stuff. Those are the first things I did. All the Christ lectures. The, anything that had to do with the Christ, I, would, I dug around and put that up there first. They're actually in order on that one page. And I did all that stuff. That stuff to me was, uh, it allowed me to be a Christian again. I couldn't be a Christian in this world in a million years without Steiner. You know what I mean? You know, so that was, that was so wonderful for me. That was a big deal. So yeah, that, that part of it. And, and, and it's beautiful. People, I will share that with people like, Oh, that just sounds so abstract. And everything I go, really? Cosmic <laughs> spiritual being incarnates in Jesus of Nazareth at the Jordan. I mean, okay, we need the Hollywood movie. Call somebody up. Cause that's going to look cool. <laughs> and now we have the effects to yeah we it. now know what it really looks like so you got all the in the world let's do it you know oh, i'm waiting for that actually i think that someday that it's gonna i'm not on steiner necessarily but just any of this stuff mm -hmm. would uh would just explode the whole thing in the world and that could be a bad thing in this weird you know we get all fad related and People kind of don't take things seriously or it becomes a cool thing for celebrities to talk about on dog shows. I, I don't know how healthy that is, frankly. So maybe it is going its own wise glacial way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. At its own pace. Right? Yeah. 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 It can be frustrating for all of us who want it to move faster, but. Right. Well, you're helping it. You're helping it move. Faster. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. So I guess you know, a couple, what, what's, what's sort of changed for you, like over the years, as you've, as you've done these readings, like what's, has there been like an evolution? Um, I don't know. I think I just got a little bit better. I think if I listen to the later ones, they're, they're just, they're just, they're seasoned. I, you know, it's taken me a while, but they're seasoned. You know, I read a lot anyway to like my wife, I read to my wife every night before we go to bed. Uh, we've read uh, Lord of the Rings uh, four times through in the last 20-some years. I've gotten some of the accents down pretty well. I got Sam Gamgee down, I think, pretty well now. But, uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Are you going to yeah, do it? So, and, uh, <laughs> Charles Williams. I don't know if you know Charles Williams as we're reading his books right now. He was, a, he was part of the Inkling, so he knew Owen Barfield and stuff. And he, was, uh, he wrote these spiritual pot boilers in the 30s and 40s in, 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 uh, in Britain. 
anywhere for Oxford University Press, if I didn't say that before. And they're kind of wild. I mean, they're scary, some of them. I mean, he, he, he kind of knows about the occult in a way, right? But, uh, and so he writes about that. Uh, and then, anyway, I got into him because my, one of my favorite musicians is Bruce Coburn from Canada. Yeah, mm -hmm. and he lives in San Francisco, actually. Now, oh, nice. I'm going to see him Friday over at the Boulder Theater. But, uh, and he'd read them, and I went, Charles Williams, who's he? So we read them, and they were just, they're quaint. They're very, they're very British, okay? I mean, they're, <laughs> but they're, very, they're, they're so unusual. Uh, uh, what is his name? T.S. Eliot did the introduction to one of the volumes. So they got up that high in the esteem. But I don't know who they'd be like now. But you look them up sometime, Charles Williams. I'm definitely going All to. All Hallows Eve and Many Dimensions and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're interesting. You might get a kick out of them. I don't, so anyway, I read a lot and try to get better at it, but I've never uh, taken any, you know, le proper lessons or anything. Oh, wow. So, so you feel like, you know, I would imagine, you know, you're working with this material all the time. And so that sort of deepens. So when you're, when, you know, as you read more and more, it must just feel more natural each time you do it because you, you become more acquainted with the material over all these years. So now if you pick up something new, you sort of know him. I mean, do you feel like you know him? Well, I would want that, but I'll tell you this, that, that's a good point. What happens is Steiner is so alive inside himself to my mind. This is my experience of the reading that every time I put up another book, I have to say to myself, who is Steiner this time? Because he's speaking to certain groups of people. Like when he speaks to the workmen and the Gertianum, man, is he a different guy. Now, even when I did the Eurythmy therapy thing, all of a sudden, unless, and again, it could be the translations in, or the how the stenographer recorded them, but they're very short sentences. And I can, I can kind of tell he's being very, he's got all the Eurythmists there. He's talking to the, you know, about Eurythmy therapy and they're very short clipped sentences. Well, that's unusual for Steiner. You know what I mean? And again, it could be how they translated him. But again, still there's a Steiner that comes through there. So every time I read within two or three paragraphs, all of a sudden, because of the way they are, there really is a different person in a way that is coming through that I kind of lock in on. And I maybe you've noticed that. There's places I just speak differently. And part of it is either, like I said, I don't know. It's either the translation or it's Steiner working with the workmen or the doctors or the Stuttgart group or the Berlin. You know, Berlin is going to be different from all these other places. So that's my take on that. I don't know if that's really true, but that's my take on that. That there's, he's, he's just such an alive person that he, uh, he puts himself out there for who needs, for, for the, the shape of the group in front of him. So. That's so great. So he knows... You, you can feel the audience that he's talking to by yeah. the way that he's talking to them and that's the it. way that he's using his sentences. I mean, that's, that's such a craft. To oh, be able to... yeah. Yeah, right. There's an anecdote about sometimes he's actually speaking to only one or two people in an audience of four or 500 sometimes. Oh, what does wow. that even mean? Yeah, what does that even mean, right? <laughs> They're the ones that lit up with like light. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Like, okay, those okay. three. I'm those gonna talk to them. To create something in you know five years, and you know, <laughs> I'm gonna talk to them. Be made. <laughs> That's so great. So, so wow. So yeah. like, what what plans do you have? I mean, so you said you know somebody. So somebody asks you, they say, can you can you please read this? And then you say, sure, um, 
or, you know, so that kind of helps you figure out what you're going to read next. But what else? What else informs what you're going to do? Because you, you've been popping them out a lot lately. Are you, are you doing more on purpose or is this? Well, I did. So I, tra- I, I retired on purpose about four, five years ago, really talked to my wife about it so that I could sp- spend as much time as I could doing this since, and I love to say this to people and I'm not saying it bemoaning anything because I, I said, because I, I won't finish before I die. <laughs> you know, and people will all help you. I go, you know, I, I just want it to be, it's my thing. I'm retired. I got, but I'll make sure, you know, before I die, I hand it over to somebody to finish it off. But so, you know what I mean? And I, actually, I love that. I love that whole thing about it, that it's, uh, I can just hang out with the guy till, till, you know, day zero. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah. So that's why, that's one reason that more have been coming out, but. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. And, and so do people support you? Like, how does that go? Do you get like donations or are there people yeah. that are like, yeah, yeah great. You, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not, it would, I don't know what would be a great amount, but you know, it's okay. You know, it, it's, it, it goes through uh, uh, waves. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, because I, I don't want to bother anybody about it. And I, I want them to enjoy the Steiner. And if they don't have any money, which I know a lot of, I have a lot of experience of, <laughs> I don't want them to have to go, oh, I, I, I can't afford that. I'm not going to listen to Rudolf Steiner. I go, are you nuts? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, you got to do that. You know, that's, or, or, or read him or whatever. I don't, you don't have to listen to me, right. but you know, I think ideally in a way you could listen to me until you get the books and really do the study yourself. Mm-hmm. Frankly, that would be what I would hope the it would be a jumping off stage toward, right? Actually taking the study, you know, and really taking hold of it, you know. So, right, right. In your hands with the book, maybe yeah, with some right. other people. Yeah, yeah gotcha. So, but I know that people don't read anymore. People are in their cars and kids, you know, twenty-year-olds now don't read books. So that was another big motivation for it that I felt it's got to be done, you know. It's millennials for sure. Back to your question about what. I choose to read. Uh, a lot of it has been because of the wonderful collected works that have come out now. And I made sure to buy those immediately. So I've got that whole set. I, you know, even though I have all, almost all of the, you know, not almost all, but quite a few of those I've had for years anyway. But I wanted to support Steiner Books. So I, I bought the collected works. They're beautiful. You know, they got the GA numbers on them or the CW numbers. And, and uh, you know, they all are. I got a bookcase for them. <laughs> So, so I look at those and go, I have no idea what this is. I've never heard of this before. You know, so that it's pretty random that way. But if yeah. they're Christ related, they tend to be something I, I read right away. Unless somebody has just really written a nice letter and said, you know, we're doing these in a study group in a month. What do you think? And I went, yeah, I can do that. You know, get them ready for you guys. So you have them in a study group. And I was going to do them anyway, eventually. <laughs> Because yeah, you're yeah. going to do everything you can. Now, yeah. you, you know the archive is coming out with more and more now. So we're oh, yes, have... on top of everything else, right. Yes. I think there's like 40 more volumes in the works or something. something. Yes. Yeah. Well, I have a friend that works there. And ah. I, was, I was talking to her yesterday. And she told me she's translating this, this work. And I said, okay, well, what's, what's the name of it? And she tells me the name. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to read it. She's like, oh, well, it's only going to be in German. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so it's going to come out. It's never been released, but it's going to come out in German so that I can't, <laughs> it's still so like, what is it? level. Can you tell me the title? As usual, I well, do all kind I of what it's about. It's called The Being of Anthroposophy. Okay. All right. And it's from 1922. Nice. And nice. Um, 
I, I mean, it was amazing the way that, the, but he mentions love again and again and again through the, through this, I think it's a series of lectures. Um, so I think it'll come out in the fall, but then, you know, we need someone to translate it into yeah. English past that. So $20,000 a book. That's how much it costs. To, to translate to Translate and publish a book. That's why I, I, I'm saying all this so people that are hearing this down the road go, give some money to start your books. Man. Right. We want them out and we, they, they can't do it for free, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm sure they wish they could. But, yeah, but they, but they can't, yeah. of course. Yeah. 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 So they, I, they told me that once. It's about $20,000 per book. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Let's say 7000 You know, I don't remember. I think they pay seven and a half cents a word for a translator. And maybe it's more than that now. Maybe some pictures of, you know, the money. Everybody listening, the, the picture of the money of those right. things. So it's going to be a long, you know, you said, what did you say, in, in 4,000 years or something? That's going to be how long it takes to get the other half of the No, no. That was about, and you'll be in the newspapers and, you know, no, whatever we're using. Oh, my God. Yeah, whatever. Hopefully it's all mind to mind by then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so did you ever, was there ever a reading that you did that was just like, you, it was really hard to get through? Yeah, there, and I'm not sure why. If the translation was poor, if the stenography was awkward, uh, if Steiner was in troubled times, you know, in 2000, from 2000, I mean, from 1914 to 1918, of course, you had the war going on. And like, for instance, in The Karma of Untruthfulness, those two volumes, there are times in there where he's, you know, he's just having a hard time. And you can tell even concept formation and sharing what he's sharing, perhaps a bit of stridency. I don't know that, but that's how it comes out when I'm reading. And there were times I'd stop and go, you can't be that strident. It's going to make people uncomfortable listening to it. And I'd have to kind of, you know, but I, I couldn't help it. Let's just say that I couldn't help it. He was, he was, he was in a, on edge and he was, he was uh, really speaking out of his heart, perhaps. And uh, I think he was always speaking out of his heart. And, and it just made it, uh, it made it difficult. Yeah. So there's that. And then once in a while, something's just hard to understand, maybe, you know, and that's, the, that's my fault, frankly. So maybe those are the ones I should reread <laughs> before, <laughs> read them first before I read them, uh, you know, record them. But uh, I don't feel I have all the time in the world, so I keep going. But Yes, that's good. We're glad yeah. you keep going. Did you know there's eight volumes of lectures to the workman? No. I had no idea of that. And a friend of mine passed away and we were good friends and he left me with a whole bunch of books. And I gave almost all of them away, but some of them that I didn't have. So I, he had all eight volumes. And those are those from Beetroots to Buddhism and from Limestone to Lucifer. That's how they titled them in the Rudolf Steiner Press, which I, I don't know what the titles would have been otherwise. They must have been pretty awkward in the German. So anyway, those are really wild. He talks about the earth there uh, way back, way back when. And like he says, well, you're trying to figure out what the earth was like at the really, really early stage, let's say of earth evolution, you would need to imagine the head of a child in the fourth week of uh, in the mother's womb. Oh my sure, God. that just came right to me. I, he jumped on, he just passed what I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so he just, and he's just saying this to them like nothing. He doesn't build up to it or anything. He just casually makes these remarks. They're the wildest things you'd ever want to read in your life. Yeah. You're like, just like you're, wow, you know? I'm not, you know, these aren't these academics where I've got to set the stage, you know, and then carefully, you know, and so they're really, really fresh and delicious in that way but they're they're a big find they were a big find i had no idea 
that he had done that, that he'd given all those lectures to those people. Yeah, that's so many. Oh, and you know, I keep hearing you say this, this sort of thing, like you said, you know, you could feel the stridency and you can feel the freshness. And so uh, the, the feeling, his feeling is coming through you while you're doing this. I mean, that's... I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think sometimes when we read it on paper, you know, there's something that almost lifts from the page or, or, or it, it just has a different feeling than reading anything else, at least for me. And oh. so for you to be reading it out loud and for have, having done this for so long, it makes a lot of sense that the, the feeling would just come right through you. Yeah, wow. I'm glad. I, I guess I never thought about it. I thought it really was there. Maybe I'm, I, yeah, I, I don't think I'm making it up. <laughs> you know, I don't, if I, if I am, I don't have all that much control over it. So everybody's just going to have to go, gee, Steiner must've been mad then. And then the historians are going to say, no, that was, you're, you're thinking of Dale Brunsville's reading. The guy just couldn't control himself. <laughs> he was in the mood. His wife was angry at him and he wrote, he read stridently that day. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Let's hope that's not true, boy. I'm going to feel stupid in Kabbalah after that one, man. <laughs> that's hilarious but i mean but but you know the same thing for steiner he could have been in a bad mood and been in an argument with his wife too and when he had to get up on stage and give his lecture so maybe, maybe. Well, you know? I, mean, I think there were troubles but I, maybe more cosmic related but maybe, maybe yeah he, he probably you know i never read anywhere in any of the anecdotes that he ever really actually lost his cool right have you? I, I have never. I mean, I'm not challenging what you're saying, but now that I think about it from what you're saying, I'm going, yeah, I never found that. He was always kind of really above the fray yeah. and caring and being there. And uh, anecdotally, okay, once in a while, there have been mentions of him being sharp with somebody. I'm trying to remember one of them. I think I just read one recently where, uh, yeah, it was, in, it was in Peter Suggs. I just got Peter Suggs' fifth volume of that uh, biography he's doing. Yes. And there is a little one in there where he's talking to some guy about socialism. And he kind of, he, he kind of, he, he just, it's in a private conversation. And he, you know, he says something uh, uh, sharp edged, shall we say to the guy. So, right. but I can't recall what it was, but. But I'm sure it was on purpose. It's yes. not, again, yeah. like he loses his go. cool. Like he's, he's you, you know, equanimity. He uh, he practices what he preaches. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I guess I, I have a final sort of question, and that's, you know, here you are. You're bringing this to people in remote places. You're bringing it to people all over the world through this website, which is just incredible. So, why in your mind is anthroposophy needed in the world now? What what is it? in our time, you know? Yeah, yeah, what a, what a wonderful question, right? I mean, if you give the answer, like in the stream of anthroposophy, let's say, you'd say, well, and I'm not saying I am, but I want to share that one too, and that is, well, we are crossing, we have crossed the threshold. Uh, the experiences are going to come inwardly and outwardly as these organs awaken in a certain way again, you might say, and we need to take stock of that and bring a, f a form and structure to our life of soul that can withstand and process and interact with the, with the experiences that are coming. So there's that side of it, let's say, and I don't know how long down in the future that is, but there's that side of it. The other side for me has been that 
in my own experience, is watching the news as it's so-called now, and, and, and the way the world is, 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 is moving, I think I'm able to take a step back and be a little more clear about what's happening. And so many of my friends that aren't anthroposophists, let's say, they rush into what, you know, let's say the president said, or, or they rush into what these goings on in the world and uh, lose themselves in that. Because they're not, they're not staying centered and I think that anthroposophy gave me some of that. Makes sense to, to just, you know, you know, fine. Uh, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I've been saying that way before false news or whatever kind of news is things they've done. You know, but maybe that's the philosophy too. But yeah, that's sophistication. Um, thirdly, I guess, is uh, Christianity. Finding Christianity again. I, as Steiner said, if, if, if we can't, if spiritual science can't find its way into the culture, uh, Christianity is simply going to die away. It's just going to, or it's going to become something we wish died away, <laughs> you know, and uh, which we kind of wish now more than not. I, with you. Yeah. I, and I probably could say more, more, more about it. I, you know, it's like the new, it's the new understanding of the world. And, uh, and I, I need to still do tons of work on myself to really say that more authentically than I am now. You know what I mean? But uh, mm -hmm. That's a beautiful question. You know, I could like to write about that now. <laughs> what did I say? Well, thank you for answering that question. Um, I, I, you know, it, it seems so important to, oh, yeah. to our time. And here you go. All you're doing, you guys are, that's such a sacrifice, especially with three children. I had no idea. That <laughs> my opinion, you just at, at the drop of a comment right there. Three <laughs> children. And you're doing this. Bravo. You know, thank you. You know what I figured out the other day? I was sort of like having to finish like what I was doing because I had to go to school and pick up the kids. And I was like, you know what? You know, and lamenting. I was lamenting that I can't just sit and read my lectures and I can't, you know, just bring all these things into being. And then I was like, you know what? <laughs> I get to stay in the world because I have to do this. I get to, ah, I get to stay yeah, in the world nice. and that's awesome. And I, you know, because that's how all of us, <laughs> most of us live. I don't have time to contemplate my navel. It's, it's not how I, I, yeah. if I look down, I'm seeing the dirt on the floor. I'm not seeing my <laughs> navel. So anyway, um, thank you for answering that. And that's why I think it's more important now than ever too. Is we, we have, we have to, it's going to help us. Like you said, it helps us like deal with what's happening in the world. I'm so glad to have talked with you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity again. And uh, yeah, spread the word people, whoever's listening to this and you know, let's, let's get this guy's ideas in, in the hearts and minds. Absolutely. And so they can be considered. They don't have to be believed. In fact, don't believe them. <laughs> Just consider them seriously. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to call you again and chat with you. Just Anytime. Just Actually, I got all the time in the world. Yes. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for reading. <laughs> all right. So nice talking with you. Thanks for joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode.